0: Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 30. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy at networknerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey,
1: John. I'm doing great. Well, I'm doing fairly well. (laughs) Not feeling great, but hey, I'm here. I wanna make sure everybody knows that we are both VMware solution engineers looking to bring you the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. Hopefully our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you wanna get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey.
0: A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. How's your week been? Have you recovered from uh, tech summit and worldwide kickoff yet? Is, is that what you're referencing there? (laughs) Well, I kind of got the
1: delayed conference crud, you know, from all those late nights drinking loads of Starbucks. I just, I don't know what happened, but it was a week and a half after kickoff and tech summit. So a little bit of a delayed reaction and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. So it's another in sickness and health podcast here, but I mean, turning 30, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a, that's an age that a lot of people don't want to get to. That's a monumental achievement. So I'm, I'm here and I'm ready. How about yourself? How
0: you feel? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Wait. So you're saying you have like a seven, eight year delay, 10 year delay to turning 30. Is that, is that what you're blaming everything on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just checking. Yeah, no. So I think I've uh, fully recovered, except that I'm back on the caffeine, which uh, is no good. Uh, I definitely do not want to be back on that. So I need to to wean myself back off. Um, but that, you know, um, conference week, waking up at 5.30 a.m. or trying to wake up at 5.30 every morning, that was no good, no bueno. And then to come back and immediately hit uh, whatever we spring forward or fall forward I, I never get that that kind. was
1: brutal to lose another hour after we came home yeah yeah
0: yeah no good no because mm-hmm. i mean
1: not only did i go into the future <laughs> i did mean, lost time in the future <laughs> uh, yeah i mean you you live in the past all the time but you know for me i i live in the future
0: yeah live in the past that's that's my life baby yeah. <laughs> well, if you uh, want to hear our thoughts about uh, conferences and and especially company company conferences, uh, make sure that you check uh, episode twenty nine where we talk about that. That was last week. Um, but uh, let's get to this week's topics, Nick. What do we got today? So we recorded episode twenty
1: five, which was adapting to a new manager, and I thought a really good sequel to that or follow up discussion would be adapting to a new team. Ooh, really good. Yeah. I I tried to break it down the same way we did the other episode and to give the listeners some scenarios and then some tips for those scenarios, scenarios that could lead you to being part of a new team. And let's break it up like this. You could join a new team at the same company you're at. You could join a new team by joining a new company, right? And then I have a special section here with some perspective from a manager standpoint. Maybe managing a new team, okay? That's how we'll break it up. You feel good about that?
0: Yeah, I like that. Really like that organization. Let's do it.
1: So let's start with joining a new team at the same company. Let's let's just say that your old position is going to be backfilled or will be backfilled. So there's some new opportunity that you've taken on this company. Maybe you went into an adjacency or something new and exciting was was created just for you. So there's this weird transition period where probably you're going to have to do both jobs. That's just my guess. Right. Because we don't, you know, just magically backfill. It takes a little bit of time. But during this transition period, what we kind of find are some general questions that people want to know the answers to. You know, if I'm working with you, I need to know who's going to be doing what you were doing while somebody new gets hired. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, we don't always have that worked out. Uh, we we haven't even had time to train anybody really. Who who's going to train the person who's who's coming in to be backfilled? Like I don't. Who's going to do what I used to do? Right. I, don't, I may not have an answer to that yet. And so, in those cases, we we have to be able to. Answer them hopefully, and and I'm sure that we we have excellent training documentation right. Because I'm moving to a new role, that I've I've documented everything. It's in this Word document with a table of contents, 500 pages. You can find anything you need. It's all there, and I'll just scoot on over to the next next role. Right, John?
0: Yeah, and that how it works. I'm thinking that usually things are not that simple, right? <laughs> like you probably like those. Former responsibilities do fall to you, right? And you're going to be carrying um, You know as you transition to the new role You're probably going to be transitioning off your your former role But that means you're going to be carrying some of the workload as they hire somebody new for that, you know for some set period of time um, and then when it comes to actually training the new person like, you know, hopefully you you documented things pretty well but you know some of that training might fall to you like, uh you know, hopefully, really, the responsibility is on that team and on that manager to, to train that person. But like, uh, probably you're going to be tapped to, to to guide that person, you know, uh, as they onboard and as they you know have questions about, you know, specifics, and, and maybe you were the expert and, and maybe your former team, you know, wasn't really doing any of that stuff. And they don't really have that knowledge. So, you know, you might be brought in, you know, uh, pulled back into it. Um, but, you know that's that's part of it right that's part of staying with a company taking on a new role but maintaining all of the the goodwill that you had at that company right and that's that's why you're staying with a company and that should be part of uh what you factored in by taking the new role and and some of the money that you asked for as well
1: yeah hopefully you got that more money when you took the the role if not listen to our episode on asking for more money that we recently recorded think that was 28 if memory serves but you know one other thing i thought of here is if you're lucky enough to work at a company who does cross training maybe somebody else knows a little bit about what you were doing but likely you're going to know some tribal knowledge things that just nobody else knows it just happens
0: Yeah, that happens you're
1: absolutely correct it's going to be there just about any organization now In this case, since you're staying with the same company, you may already know some of your new teammates. Maybe they're people you've worked with before in a different way. And, you know, during this transition, there's no reason you can't strengthen those relationships, right? Since you're already working with them, whether they know or don't know that you're about to become uh, a closer knit unit with them, you can still take time to foster those relationships a little bit more deeply but it's probably not going to be appropriate for you to reach out to new teammates that don't know and, and make the announcement. You know, it's just not appropriate coming from you. Oh, Hey, I took this new job. That's something you need to get approval to send out. Yeah. Have you been in that situation where I can't really tell people this is happening, but it's happening.
0: Yeah. I don't think I've been in that specific situation, but yeah, it's, it's the manager's prerogative to announce new teammates and it's not your place to make that known to people before the manager does. Right. Um, I, I would say, you know, maybe they might know that you're a candidate for the position because you told them that you were applying for it. Um, you know, there, nothing stops you from maybe, you know, if you're applying for an open requisition or something that, you know, that there's public knowledge that there's a, a new position being created and they, they've posted it publicly, you you probably should have reached out to the people that you already know on that team um, and say, hey, what do you know about this new position? You know, can you give me any guidance? Can you tell me about the manager who runs that organization? Um, you know, what's going on there as part of that process of of applying and, and going through, you know, the, the interviews and so on and so forth. So um, with that in mind, you know, you probably, you know, I would say hopefully that that those uh, relationships have already uh, strengthened, right? Because you've let them know that you're thinking about applying or are applying or going through the interview process. And some of them might have actually interviewed you as part of that process. So they might actually already know, um, you know, and it might be a moot point. But again, to your point, it's the manager's prerogative to inform the team of the new hire, not your prerogative. So I agree with you. That was a long winded way of saying, I agree with you. (laughs) That's okay.
1: Glad we're on the same page there. You know, what if you are in a customer facing type role and you're moving away from that or to a different, you know, like sometimes we change account sets as SEs, but you know, what if you, what if you need to figure out how to communicate the change to external customers, people outside the the company need to know who to go to so you can pass the torch. That's that's something that has to be communicated at some point. You just have to figure out when. Again, you know, when is it appropriate?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's another thing to have you know good communication between the transitioning parties, right? So to say, hey, w- at some point in time, we need to communicate that this change happened to the or- to the outside organization, and and certainly even for internal customers too, if you're a large organization, to say, hey, you know, this this team is transitioning off of managing you and this other team is transitioning on and we just wanted to make sure that we had this meeting to sit down and make sure that everybody's on the same page about all the projects that are in flight and, uh, you know, make sure that everybody's available, you know, for further consultation just in case. So, you know, that type of thing needs to be managed and there needs to be somebody who's in charge of that transition, right? It needs to be clear. Um, and, uh, you know, theoretically, to set up deadlines for that transition, too. So, um, agree, agreed. You know, transitioning is a sensitive thing for organizations, and it needs to be uh, managed with care. You know, I've, I've transitioned on and off of accounts uh, a couple times now. Um, we have fairly stable account lists, but, um, yeah, it definitely happens, right?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. And, you know, it's nice to have that handoff meeting where the people who have been working with this customer whether internal or external can kind of give you, here are details you need to know so you don't have to ask these questions again. It's it's really nice to to have that kind of handoff and cooperation. It's funny because what if you were transitioning to be the transition manager for someone else's transition? Okay? Oh man. Is that inception?
0: I don't know. Yeah, that that's the nightmare scenario, right? But if you're a transition manager, then, uh, then you're probably used to that. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're used to the transition. That's I like right. it so back on track here what about training i mean we talked about you might have to train somebody else but who's gonna train you on your new stuff i mean just like you had the 500 page document of of everything someone would need to know i'm sure the team you're going to and the role you're going to has all that for you Uh, there's video training it's all there like you can just do that when you're ready right
0: yeah good luck right (laughs) Yeah.
1: How do you, how do you know when to start? Like, when do I start my training?
0: Right. I don't know. Right. How's it going to be conducted? And how do you fit that in with the actual day-to-day job responsibilities? Yeah, totally agree. Um, you know, hopefully again, this is another thing for the list of things that you should have clarified during that interview process. You know, while you're considering taking the, taking the new position and especially in that final part of that, where you're saying, um, yes, I'm a finalist. Um, some of the things that I really feel like I need to understand are, you know, the training um, for the the, the fine tuning of the the new position. You know, hopefully you're you're not a stretch and you don't need to be trained on all the things. Um, but you know, sometimes even you are right, and it doesn't matter who they're hiring. Everybody's going to have to be trained. So, what is their plan for that? and uh, and does that plan fit your style of learning right uh, are you uncomfortable with jumping you know feet first into the fire and and figuring out how to do things uh, if you're uncomfortable with that and that's their training plan then maybe you should you know rethink taking this position um or you know if that's always the 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 they say well listen that's how we do things at this company then maybe you should rethink uh joining that organization Um, and if they are way more meticulous and you are way more, you know, dive into the deep end and learn how to swim, then again, maybe that's also not a cultural fit. So all things that you need to kind of take into account, um, when, when you're joining, um, and before you're joining, you know, as opposed to you made the decision to join and then you start asking those questions. Like that's always the, I would say not the way to go. Right.
1: Right in that internal interview phase you could go from wanting a new job within the company to running away quickly and looking for new jobs outside the company just based on everything you said
0: i love it yeah yeah like you know you find out like oh the things that you know i wasn't too happy about with the team that i was on you know you know go to a different team and then you find out oh wait no that's actually how things are done throughout the entire company and it's not just you know the management it it's like a com- company cultural mis- mismatch and and then you start, as you said, looking outside the company for a better cultural match. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that was that was during transition. So let's talk about new job within the same company after the transition. So that means that you have the clearance to do the new job, work with the new team, service whoever you need to service. So I would say that it's going to be really good to meet and build rapport with new teammates, people that you've not worked with before or not met before. Maybe it's a totally different team in a different city or, you know, a different office, or maybe everybody's remote and you go from working in the office to working from home. That's always a possibility. I mean, that happened to us, right? We used to be, but but not within the same company. Sorry. Right. So a good way to do that, and it probably depends on proximity, you're going to have in-person meetings if the people are local or in the area. You can go and meet with them face-to-face. I find that's always a good way to help you build rapport with people is meeting with them face-to-face. You just can't replace that. Phone calls, video sessions, asking good questions. Hey, you know, we're doing the same thing or we're doing similar things. What are some best practices that
0: you see that I could take advantage of? What are your thoughts, John? So I, I definitely have, you know, personal experience with this. Like very recently, one of the specialist organizations had a, had a change and I had a different specialist um, SE covering me uh, from, you know, what I had before. So I just happened to be at a conference and we actually were able to, you know, the, the person who was transitioning on, I was able to meet up with and the person who's transitioning off, I was able to meet up with. So you know, I had two separate conversations about, you know, what their expectations of what that transition period was going to look like. You know, the person who's transitioning on, I got to, to meet that person, find out about, you know, background experience and, and, you know, what they expected coming in. And I was able to kind of give a brief of my customer list, uh, and say, here's where I think the opportunities are. Here's where I think we can best use you. And, and it was very, very gratifying and. Um, So that in person, you know, taking all of those opportunities to meet with people in person, especially if you're in an organization that's, you know, spread out geographically, you know, every single one, like we, like we just said, we just had this worldwide kickoff and and tech summit, you know, I use that tech summit, um, Opportunity to meet up with people that were geographically dispersed from me. You know, people who cover me from Southern California that I don't get to see that often. People who cover me from the Pacific Northwest that I don't get to see that often. You know, people who cover me from the Midwest. So, um, yeah, that it's you take every single one of those opportunities. You become uh, not just a voice on the phone. You don't become just text and an email. You become a real person, and that person becomes real to you. And and that's always better always better than uh than uh, kind of that um <laughs> than that email <laughs> the the email address
1: sure and i would say that even if the new team members like maybe your boss sends a welcome email or something like that but even if the new team members don't reach out to you i think it's wise to reach out to them anyway because you need those connections you're going to need their help absolutely and i d- you need to build those relationships. And look, John, everybody knows that you at Tech Summit was just about building LinkedIn connections. I know this. Like we talked about the plan at breakfast, lunch. I get it. We, it's just, it's okay. You don't have to be fake anymore. It's all about the followers, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it's not the followers on LinkedIn. It's new connections. And my, my metric was 125 new connections and I tripled it. So I'm very happy with that. That's That's not true. That's not true. Was that something you're MBO'd on? Right. (laughs) No, I, I, Heck, you know, I don't make a secret of it. I I try to meet as many new people as possible. And and oftentimes, man, you know, that just pays off in the the medium to long term. So, you know, always, always be building up that, um, that contact list and, and list of people that, you know, by face, even if not by name. Right. So.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I just, I love the tease, John, about his method, but it's actually a great method and it works really well. Trying not to get us too sidetracked here. So within the same company, one thing that could happen is that your position gets eliminated. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean you're laid off. It may mean that there are other open positions at the company that someone might guide you to apply for. Right, like we're going to give you a certain amount of time. You can apply for any of these open positions, and maybe somebody will write you. You know, hopefully, your manager, if you're a good employee, will write you a recommendation, or maybe a another team member will. And a situation like this, you know, it's it's difficult. It's hard. You know, you see that as, oh man, I just lost my job. What am I going to do? I'm freaking out. The emotions run high. It's I'm not saying it's an easy situation. Highly stressful. I don't,
0: Highly stressful. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think in this situation, you have to try to check your attitude and and see the positive if you can. Obviously, you need to be logical and, and prepare for, okay, I may not get a job internally. I may have to seek external. So hopefully you've been updating the resume as you go, like we've talked about before. But I think in this situation, you have to be careful how you communicate this to your former teammates, you know. If you apply for something new, it is highly likely you're not going to be on the same team as you were. You may have some interaction with people, but you really don't know. It's a difficult situation, but it really shouldn't be a gripe session. That's not going to help you get another job within the company. And again, leverage those relationships, if you can, to help you get recommendations for something new.
0: Yeah, I I really especially like your guidance to not make the difficult situation a gripe session. Um, You know, there's Plenty of time to you know focus on the negative side and and maybe lack of justice or or whatever the the sequence of you know, sequence of, of activities or circumstances you know led to this act, action. But um, uh, I would say that it, it doesn't help, right? The, and there's again time later to to complain about it. Um, and your focus in that situation should be to leverage like all the positive energy that you can muster. And all of the the connections that you've made to get that new position right so um you know you probably you know it's another time that you need guidance from your manager to you know talk about you know whether you know it's okay to tell your your colleagues um you know you probably do need to you know disclose something is happening in order to, to to ask them for help and finding new positions and you know letters of recommendation or, or whatever but um you know, definitely, uh, ask for that guidance as far as like making an official mass, like public, you know, announcement as opposed to, you know, a whisper campaign. Although, you know, if they tell you, Hey, you know, your position has been eliminated, you know, have this, this many days to find a new position within the company. There's, there's really not much control that you, they have over you telling anybody that I, I would just say that it's better to, um, again, uh, keep that positive attitude towards it and the positive spin about it as opposed to, um, the, oh man, I was just let go and I gotta, you know, do a bunch of stuff to find a new job. Um, you know, that, that, that always sounds more negative than, oh man, you know, I'm, it's, it's too bad that position was eliminated I'm really excited to find a new opportunity within the organization. Sure. There you go. All right. So,
1: We just finished the joining a new team at the same company. Talked about if your old position was going to be backfilled and you went for a new opportunity or your old position was eliminated and you went for a new opportunity. Now, the next scenario is what if you join a new team at a new company? Mm. So you put in the effort, interviewed somewhere else, got the job. So exposure to the new team could be presented to you in two ways. During the interview process and after you start. So let's take the first one. During that interview process, uh, it it may be that you have some interaction with other team future teammates early in the process. It could be late in the process, <laughs> might not be at all. Right. You know, a smaller organization may not consider putting other members of the team on the interview panel if there is a panel other than the
0: HR person and the manager. Mm-hmm. Has that been your experience, John? Yeah, I've definitely been hired uh, in a situation like that where. You know i was joining a team of reports to to somebody high up in the organization and the other people that you know were that person's reports basically had no influence on my my job at all you know it and it ended up that i that i you know my position morphed into where i had to interact with them a lot but You know, they just weren't involved in the hiring process, weren't involved in the interview process, Had, and it was just like, you know, you show up on the first day, and that's when you actually start meeting those people. And that that can be shocking, um, and it's unfortunate. Maybe suboptimal, but it happens. It probably happens a lot, especially in smaller businesses, right?
1: So here's a question, John. Would you ever encourage somebody to ask for that if they're not... Given that opportunity, like as a condition of taking the job
0: or? I would say, especially if you're in the driver's seat and you are not, you know, you're you're not out of work or you have, especially, I would say, if you have several opportunities in front of you, several, several offers, um, and you're trying to weigh them and none of them have involved um, talking to teammates uh, or, you know, other people that report to the manager that you report to. Or will report to, then I would say you know you're kind of in the driver's seat and you should ask for that because you have an opportunity to talk to the other people and say hey what's this manager style like, you know do you, is it positive is it negative how how much support do you get what are one-on-ones uh, structured like you know and and get kind of honest feedback on those types of things or or different feedback and you know different different aspects of how that manager manages the team um and and i i just think that that's better right um again especially if you're not just desperate to, to to say yes um and you're negotiating from a position of power it's it's just something reasonable to ask for it's it's a very standard thing to ask for if it wasn't part of the the process and the run-up so uh yeah that's a that's a a loud yes if 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 possible to say to 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 ask for it i would ask for it and if you don't get it then then that's you got to start asking why right and they should probably have a reason why
1: yeah absolutely great points so the next period of time when you're going to meet your new team or interact with them is after you start so maybe you didn't get to talk to them before in the interview process, and maybe you didn't think anything of it. So I would say, again, your proximity to the people you're working with is going to affect what the contact method is, how frequent you interact, at least to some extent. And I would seek people out again, getting to know them, maybe not seem super over enthusiastic, bubbly butterfly, but just, Hey, I'm here. I'd love to meet you, get to know you better since we're going to be working together. I think that's reasonable. You know, I don't think anybody's going to say, oh, who is this person I don't want to be friends with them, even though they're on my team. If they have that attitude, why are they on your team?
0: Well, you're not asking to be friends, right? You're asking to be <laughs> cordial and uh, and to be collegial, Right uh, to be colleagues, okay, right, fair, right? fair, And, uh, and I think, you know, fostering that kind of relationship, you, don't, you know, that doesn't, you can be friendly without being friends. And, uh, and, and that's the type of relationship, you know, that that's kind of like, you know, bare minimum positive relationships in, in any kind of position. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's absolutely the tactic to, to go for another tactic that I would use is to, to ask for help. Right. To to ask for help for aspects of the job that are common between what you do and what your colleagues do, you know, processes and procedures and and relationships and uh, and those types of things. Hey, you know, can I pick your brain on this topic? Uh, It's, you know, I know how it worked at my previous position. Maybe you can help me uh, in this, uh, you know, new position. You know, I, you know, conceptually, I think that it should be ABCD. Um, but maybe some of the details are a little bit hazy to me, uh, in, in this new organization, uh, can you maybe walk me through it? And, and actually I think that probably crosses over, even if you're joining a new team at your uh, previous company, right? At the same company. Um, one way to engage with people is is to ask them for help, even if you don't necessarily need that help, um, or just, you know, need to iron out, iron out a few wrinkles, in, in something that you, uh, think that you're pretty solid on. Um, yeah, always, always a good idea. Sure.
1: Absolutely. And hopefully the, the folks on the other side of that will be receptive and, and willing to help, but of course that's going to depend on the team culture, a lot on the manager, we won't really get into that. Sure. And I think it'd be good to talk to your teammates and figure out who else from within or outside the organization, are they interacting with most? Are they interacting more with outside people outside the organization, like external-facing customers, or is it mostly internal customers that that your team is servicing? It'd be good to know that. Hopefully, you asked that during the interview process. Ask for some percentages or some some estimates there, but if you didn't, find out. Shame on you if you
0: didn't, right? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you know we we counsel that you do these things, and you know you you get 95% of the way there. And you know, this was part of the 5% that you missed out on. So no big deal. Yeah.
1: And you're just not going to remember to ask everything you think you should, even if you've tried to memorize it 45 times, you're going to forget some stuff. And then of course we come back to the training aspect. I'm sure they've prepared the training plan for you. It's this immaculate object that you can glean knowledge from. But again, Are your teammates training you? Is your boss training you? Is it a mix? Is it online? Is it, how do you, how's it done? Are you getting trained by a different team? Hopefully they can help you figure that out and get you started on that training. You know, maybe you get assigned a dedicated mentor and they're there to help you train. Mm -hmm. It just, the answer is it depends. It's a consulting gig.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All of those things are happening, you know, and down to who was the last person who had that this position, you know, can, are they still around, you know, for, for me to, to consult with, to, to iron out some of the specific details. And again, try to absorb as much of that tribal knowledge, you know, as possible. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay.
1: So that was joining a new team at a different company. So now we get into this section. I'd like to look at it from the perspective of a manager. Now, we talked about adapting to a, manage, a new manager in a previous podcast, but this section would be sort of a manager's perception of adapting to a new team, managing a new team and the dynamics that go along with that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this scenario the best I can. Let's imagine that you're a manager who has built out a team from nothing. You know, you were given this opportunity to go and build a new team. So you had to interview and hire, let's just say, five to ten people make a a great tight team and you're going to go and be responsible for xyz so if you were that manager you probably want to have a good rapport with your team and let's just say you did and you probably have some sense of ownership of that team because after all you built it there hasn't been high turnover it's a good solid team they perform well and as a result maybe you were good enough to be given a bump up to the next level to senior manager Mm what that means is that you actually start managing frontline managers like you have been, you know, you were a frontline manager, but your new role will be to manage frontline managers. Mm -hmm. So now you have to choose a successor for this team that you've built, which is kind of difficult because you have to, you have to give your creation to someone else who we all probably think can't care and feed it the same way I would, right? It's hard to give that up. I remember John Troyer was talking about that uh, in a geek Whispers podcast. He told the story of uh, how Eric Nielsen had to leave a previous company and, you know, kind of give his body of work over to someone else who, who he knew wouldn't care and feed for it, but that was the only way he can move up.
0: Right. Right.
1: So, you know, again, you, you have to be willing to let that go. So let's imagine in this scenario, John, that, the successor, the new frontline manager comes from that same team that you built. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want to look to the outside. Okay. And uh, so you would leave that team and you would be a skip level manager to every individual contributor that used to be your direct report. And then this new frontline manager person would still be your direct report. Right. Is that making sense? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay.
1: Okay. So I see some challenges with this change, at least in the in the manager who made the jump to manager of managers. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're this manager who had the change, you can't really interact with your old team the same way you used to. Because again, you're not the direct manager of all of these people anymore. You're only the direct manager of one. Right. And then you may have other new team members as part of your new team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to allow the new frontline manager to build his or her his or her own rapport with that new team. And you you can still have a relationship with those former team members, but it can't be the way it was before. You can't really be giving them tasks and asking them for things all the time. You need to give that to the frontline manager and let, let that person handle it. And then You don't want to override or conflict what the, what the new frontline managers methodology is. You know, you don't ever want to show a direct report that, Oh, these two have a conflict. So I'm just going to go with old trustee and, and move in that direction and, and really redirect to the new manager as you know, if if somebody from the former team wants advice on something, a procedure, a process, something the frontline manager should handle, you have to redirect it so that they can build that relationship and that you don't interfere. You know, we talked about in a previous episode, you can have a skip level one-on-one, you can have that relationship, but I think you have to give it some time and some distance. What are
0: your thoughts? Yeah. But I, so it's a really fascinating scenario, right? And, and I really like this focus on the person who was promoted to the skip level. Um, manager and the the new relationship with the team, that person actually also has to be concerned about the relationship with the other managers, frontline managers that they're managing, and the up other, you know, skip level uh, reports that they have, right? So if they are perceived as favoring a specific team and specific individuals with more attention, that's always going to be a problem, right? So um, if you are having, you know, one-on-one discussions with that team that you were a frontline manager for. It's almost like you really have to say, okay, you know, I've had these in, informal discussions. I sh- I need to have that same level of informal discussion with all of the skip level reports that I have now. And if you don't have the ability to do that, then you're really not being fair with your time and attention, right? So, obviously, it can't be always equal. 100% fair, 100% of the time. And I think a lot of the time that you're going to be having is with, you know, uh, firefighting and problem spots in in the management teams that you, you have, right? So if, if you have a manager who's struggling or has been sick or is on a leave of absence, then obviously that team is going to get more time and attention. Um, and, and that's really how you need to spend your time and not, you know, just where you happen to come from so that that's a a big big change and in, in a very difficult thing i would imagine it's just something that takes uh intention right and uh you know theoretically you know you're a good manager so you you know the know these things um and hopefully you have uh guidance from a director or a vice president or whoever your next level uh management person is uh to to help you you know develop into this role um of a manager of managers and and uh backing off from that team can, can be difficult, right? If you have a strong relationship with those people, then, uh, maintaining that strong relationship, you know, feels like the right thing to do. And, and maybe you can do that in different ways. Like if you have strong personal relationships, maybe you can cultivate, you know, personal relationships, uh, um, and, and maintain those. Uh, but you know, it's always, again, it's difficult if you don't have those same types of relationships with the other skip level reports. So,
1: very, very
0: interesting situation. And, and, and yeah, very uh, difficult. And, and I think the thing that pops to my mind is, you know, the empathy that this type of uh, thought exercise requires for a manager, right? Um, and it's something that we generally don't have, you know. If if you're something, if you have a relationship with your manager um, or with your director, you know, very rarely do we put ourselves in that role and say, "What is this person going through? What things do they have to balance?" Um, you know, um, maybe there's reasons why they're spending less time with me uh, than with other people, right? Maybe what I'm doing is really good, and other people are are really messing up, and that's why they're getting more attention. You know, that, that's a very strong possibility. Um, so, you know, ah, just just a fascinating situation. It also, I think maybe we should come back at some point in time and think about, you know, that individual contributor who was uh, promoted to a leadership role and people manager role and think about what they're going through. And that, that probably um, is uh, a whole series of podcasts, maybe, maybe not a one-time thing. Yeah, absolutely.
1: There's a lot of goodness there. And I mean, if you think about it, John, to this former frontline manager who's now a you know senior manager, a manager of managers, it is possible that that person is not only managing a completely new team of people, except for maybe one person, and they just joined a whole new team of people because maybe at this new title, all their peers are new. Mm-hmm and all these people maybe already do what this new person is jumping in to do now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you got promoted into a new team and you're managing a new team. It's, it's almost like a whole different job, a whole different world, a whole different organization almost. And again, it depends on organizational structure, et cetera, but it's, it's a lot of newness, for sure.
0: Yeah, especially at the level that you're talking about, you know, managing a team of frontline managers. And and sometimes with a senior manager title, what they're doing is managing some frontline managers and some individual contributors that are maybe like geographically dispersed or, you know, not dense enough to to require a, a frontline manager. And, and in that role, it's it's you know quite difficult, right? Because a lot of times what you're doing is you're helping somebody else elevate their skills in that Uh, People leadership role, right? So you've gone through some kind of transition and and what you've decided is that you want to lead people rather than be an individual contributor. And now you have to help somebody else through that transition, or you're helping them transition into a new organization, be it, you know, from, you know, somewhere else in, in the organization to where you are now. Um, To where they are now or from outside the organization completely right outside the company and and joining the company So maybe they've been a people manager before but they don't know anything about the company and and that transition is really all about cultural things a product um, customers uh, You know all those other things that it could be so you're helping and guiding uh, You know people managers and individual and or individual contributors all at the same time. It's it's a lot of chaos so um, you know, hats off to the people who are doing that. It's, uh, it's a, a daunting job. Daunting job.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's the, you have to make some decisions on how you operate. And like you said, it requires that empathy and and trying to be fair to the new frontline manager and giving that relationship with the, with the direct reports a, a good shot to get off on the right foot because you definitely, definitely want that.
0: It's an interesting chance to set like a whole new level of expectations, don't you think? Uh, maybe set the tone for the culture of management, at least within your miniature organization. There, um, you know, hopefully they're doing things you know the way that that we wish things were right uh, with one-on-one meetings and, and guidance and, and things like that. Um,
1: Absolutely, getting to know the people and how they work and what the best processes are to to show what success is and that things are moving forward in the right direction to meet the organizational goals and the goals of this uh we'll just call it directive unit yeah the tactical things that we need to do to be in line with the organizational goals that were given down to us
0: yeah we talked about that last week right Uh, translating Mm -hmm. organizational goals into the kind of miniature strategic goals of the the smaller unit that you're in charge of and and freeing up people to make those tactical decisions again you know since they know what the organizational goals are and how they translate down to their level um it, it always helps right we so we just talked about again last week it, it always helps to know when you as an individual contributor you know you how these you know vast organizational Goals, you know set set by the CEO translate to things that you need to get done and how your team needs to operate so again flipping the script like you know um, for a front frontline manager or you know the, the level right above that to make sure that you are setting those um, translating those huge organizational goals down to these you know smaller organizational goals and giving examples and templates of how people, where individual contributors can can contribute, you know, towards those, uh, towards those goals.
1: Sure. And if you were someone who went from individual contributor to frontline manager to, you know, senior manager or manager of managers, I think it enables you to level up your thinking a little bit easier because you know what the detailed processes are at the very bottom and you can generalize them maybe a little bit
0: better than someone from the outside could. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you're probably in that situation, you're you're translating, um, you know, higher level requirements into processes that are implemented by those frontline teams, right? Mm-hmm. So again, you need to say, hey, you know, here's this overhead or paperwork or, you know, reports that you need to fill out. The reason that you need to fill those out is that it helps us get metrics on these goals that we need to meet as an organization. So it's not just busy work, it's, it's helping to meet goals X, Y, and Z. And, you know, having those metrics helps us measure this, which helps us, you know, course correct if these things get out of, out of balance or out of whack, right? So otherwise mm-hmm. people, you know, just hate doing what they're doing. It's like, why am I doing this? Why am I filling out this form? Why am I emailing this report to this person? Like, none of it makes any sense. I don't understand how that's going to help us uh, grow our revenue by X percent or increase our customer satisfaction by Y percent, you know? None of this makes any sense. I don't understand it. You know, so as, you know, frontline managers and 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 uh, directors or senior managers, like that's part of your job, right, is to, to help people understand why what they're doing is important. Absolutely.
1: And I have to say, John, that this segment, the, the portion about the manager's perspective, that was not original content that came from my brain. It actually came from a conversation I had with a manager who went through this experience. Mm. And until he and I had that conversation, I didn't, I wasn't able to think about it from his perspective. Well, because I've never been a, you know, a manager of managers or, or been in that situation. So it was, it was really interesting to, to have his take on it. And I thought it was something we should dig into here. And I hope it's, hope it's helpful to those that are listening.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The thousands upon thousands of listeners that are listening <laughs> that have given us a five-star rating, all, all those things.
0: <laughs> right. Awesome. Um, Nick, I think that's it for that topic. And it's really everything that we had planned. Uh, if there's anything that's popped into your mind while we talked, I, I, I would say the thing that popped into my mind was that uh, we probably should blow up that whole idea of, hey, what what do you do if um, you're a victim of a you know, reduction in force, a riff, and you have 90 days to find a new job within the organization? Um, mm, that, yeah, that, that's a good one. that We should maybe expand that to uh, an entire topic. Maybe not next week, maybe next week, but um, definitely. Future topic. Yeah, definitely future topic. Market. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I like it.
1: And, you know, while I may have led this podcast a little bit, folks, this is all part of the curricula from the John White School of Mentoring. And if you're out there hungry for more and needing a mentor, someone to help you get to that next level, send that tweet out to Journey for pricing and packaging information today so that you can join the school. We have a lot of demand for it on Twitter. I've seen it. I can tell you this is going to be a great revenue generator for me. My my 401k is going to be able to show the results very soon. So uh, we'll, we'll find you some of John's time if the price is right. <laughs> just, just a reminder, everybody, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey.
0: Excellent. Farewell, listeners. Uh, tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at We Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Adiós.
1: You know, John, everybody loves sequels, and I'm sure you remember the name of the sequel to that Chow Yun-Fat movie we've been talking about on previous episodes, but... (laughs) 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 That sounds like muddly. (laughs) All right, Compose.